take longer than you say. It's <laughs> <laughs> like my sermon. So welcome back, everyone, to the podcast. It is so good to know that you are listening in to all of our deep, dark, secret conversations that we have around here um, with our microphones fully on and turned up and everything else. Um, I am John here with you <laughs> and the guy knocking on his microphone. That is Wade. Wade, how are you today? I'm wonderful, man. I'm great. I'm digging that shit. Corpus Christi, Texas. It is a good day, but I'm digging that shirt, man. That's that's me right there. That's my new favorite shirt. I, I, I love Extra it. large. Okay, good for you. Good for you, man. I'm glad to hear that. And uh, Brad and Tom, they are off this week. We gave them some vacation time. Wade said he was just tired of seeing them, so we had to let them be gone. And so we have Tina with us here today. Tina, it's been a while. How have you been? Really good. I've been really good. Things are going well here. Yeah, nothing, nothing else going on in that that world over there. Is it hot over there for you too? Yes, and there's tons going on, and some of it is good. <laughs> Amen. Well, we hope so. We hope so. So you know how we we do this, Tina. We like to dig into some good conversation, but before we do that, we like to find stuff around the world and and surprise Wade with and see if he's ready. Mondays are his day of, days off, but um, we, we try to keep him on his toes. Um, <laughs> how, how's the house you're living in now, guys? You okay with the house? Yeah, I love my house. It's a yeah. cool little mid-century modern craftsman home that's super cool. Okay, all right, all right. And uh, I know, you know, officially, United Methodists, we don't do... Um, raffling and all that you know church activities does that bother you guys you ever wish you could have a good raffle at church or are you okay with no raffles the last raffle uh that was they tried to have in a church that i was serving was for a shotgun so i i don't i'm i'm good with no raffles okay. that was a that was a landmine that i had to step around uh-huh dude i grew up roman catholic total bingo girl yeah. Yes. What's your favorite bingo game? Blackout. All right. I like blackout too. <laughs> so, well, if we could convince Wade to get on board with raffling, um, Mexico is raffling off something interesting. Um, Mexico is raffling off one of El Chapo's safe houses for $12 and 50 cents. Come in. on. Wow. Come on, man. I'm um, in. Let's see. I'm trying to see where it's at. Northwest Mexico, but for, for 250 Mexican pesos, you could be living in the two-bedroom house that used to be used by El Chapo. How would that make you feel, Wade? Uh, I would pretty much feel like maybe Sean Penn would come visit me now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I forgot about that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'd be kind of worried myself. No lie. Um, who's going to come back for that house? You know, once the government. that it's well ventilated. <laughs> and it talks about, hold on. You say that it talks about, let me see. Uh, that, that they're also raffling off uh, a mansion that belonged to former Juarez cartel leader, Amado Carrillo. 
Uh, the raffle is run by the government branch. These prizes are confiscated from the criminals. I'm trying, where's it say? El Chapel's two bedroom house. Oh, where is it at? It talks about the pool, like having a secret access to the some tunnels underground. Like that is so like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, man. That's so cool. But uh, I don't know. I'd be kind of worried myself. I mean, it's a good price to pay. Um, but I don't know. It's nice. I'm looking at the picture here. That's that's okay. I'm down with that. But um, I don't know. I don't know. What if? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's worth twelve fifty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to stick to the parsonage. The the state government is the beneficiary of the income. That's what it looks like. All right. Well, yeah. So here it is. The raffle is run by a government branch called the Institute to Give Back to the People the Stolen. Huh. So, you know, with all you know about Mexican government, you can let your imagination run wild with that one. All right? Yeah, I started to go there and I was like, oh, it's probably not a good idea for me to say out loud. I'm glad you did. <laughs> well, in the United States, when uh, drug fortunes are confiscated, they don't go to the people. Right. Oh, they don't. Nope. nope. They go to law enforcement. They do. I'm sure that none of those funds are misappropriated in any way, though. <laughs> right along. Uh, <laughs> very good. Uh, let's see. There was a couple other things. Uh, we talked a little bit about the Olympics, not a whole lot, but I, I haven't watched any more than I did from last week, but I didn't realize it's pretty hot in Tokyo right now. Do you guys know that? You see some of the repercussions of that. And uh, on top of everything else, Tokyo is way too hot. That's what this article tells me and how uh, they've had a, I don't see where it's at here, but sort of, what do they say? 2.3 degrees uh, on average, hotter than the last time the Olympics were there back in 19, whatever. And just how everybody's dealing with that. Of course, they got pictures of runners growing up. Two and, or three degrees really move the needle on what's hot and what's not i think it's celsius oh well then yeah yeah it does move the needle it's a good thing because i I think that that makes it much more possible for texas to get the summer olympics at some point yes do we want that i don't know i don't know i don't i don't know either i have a feeling that we don't (laughs) and i don't know why I was living in Denver in 1976. I was young, but in 1976, when they said uh, no thank you to the Olympics, I think they're the only city that's done that. Okay. Everybody else is dying to have them, right? Officials removed Paula Bedosa, a tennis player from Spain, from the women's singles quarterfinal, quarterfinal in a wheelchair on Wednesday, cutting short her match. Uh, she suffered a heat stroke. Um, she had to end her participation. I didn't realize this. Um, uh, this was, I don't remember, I don't see when, but they had someone who passed away from a heat stroke during uh, the Olympic Games, some, t- you know, way back when, had a heat stroke and died the next morning. So, you know, pretty serious business, but uh, yeah, it's hot. So, anyway, we in South Texas, if you're not listening from South Texas, um, it's pretty hot. Now it's hot. I, you know, I went up to Michigan and 
Chicago for our vacation. It was hot up there, but to me, it was bearable, especially if you found shade. It's like, okay, it feels okay, but I don't know. This is. We really, I mean, this year, as far as temperature goes, we really haven't hit triple digits down here. It's been, haven't. it's been, it seems to have been a little extra humid, not like more humid than normal, but more often than normal. Like we've had days in a row where we have bad humidity and usually it's a day or two and then it breeze comes in. And it starts but at three I, in the morning. I haven't complained about the, the temperature this year because I know it can be a lot worse. I think stuff is still falling out from, from February. It's still hot. It's yeah. still hot. Oh, All right. Let's see. Hot. What time is it? Oh, I got plenty of time. I'm going to give you this next one. See where this takes us. This is, in, this is from NPR. I thought it was <clears throat> pretty interesting. Came out last year, actually. But uh, podcast, except the awkwardness. Uh, as we're all, you know, coming out of quarantine and seeing people again. And, you know, as far as churches go, you know, how we welcome new people and all that kind of stuff. How to make friends and keep them. And the way you do that is to accept the awkwardness. Do you have any awkward friends, Wade? I'm, I think I am the awkward friend. <laughs> I didn't want to say anything. But... <laughs> uh, but here are a few uh, insights, and you tell me what you think. Uh, accept the awkwardness and assume that other people need new friends, too. I think right? that's true, yeah. I, I, I struggle with it. Not that I struggle with it. Um, I hear a lot of people who, you know, Talk about, oh, I hate people. And, oh, I don't want to be around people. And, oh, people get on my nerves, all that kind of stuff. But I still feel like <laughs> we all need each other. So I understand, you know, we want to be alone. I understand that some of us are more introverted than we are extroverted. I get that, too. And I get that some of us hang around pretty annoying people. And so we want to get around, away from that. But we all need somebody else oh we all need other people right so accept the awkwardness and assume that other people need new friends too is that right i think so i mean i think our the, the institution that we that we all exist in in some form or fashion is built on community and communities about you know being in relationship i.e friends with different and many different and many people so yeah Yeah. Remember that people will like you more than you think they will. I, I don't know. I think most people, when they are not in my direct vicinity, are not thinking about me at all. Oh, no. I think everybody. I think that's pretty normal. I think everybody's pretty much always thinking of me. So obviously, Wade is more American than you are, Tina, more patriotic, because he believes the world revolves around him. Yeah, it's a, well, I, but I will say that's a pretty big character flaw. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, how about that? We, we have the tendency to think that everybody's looking at us, everybody's thinking about what we did or what we said, and quite possibly nobody's thinking. <laughs> Kidding aside, I mean, there, there was a time where I I mean, I don't think I felt completely that way, but I felt that way a lot. And uh, I will say that uh, I, the older I've gotten, the more I don't care about that, which is really comfortable. And I think people like me better <laughs> as a result of that. Uh, it's not what they told me, but okay. Yeah. yeah. You do you, well, Wade. John, you and I have a love-hate relationship anyway. <laughs> I will tell you that when I've been in the presence of 
children um, in various settings. If an adult comes into that group and the adult really wants the children to like them, it is almost a guarantee that the children will not like them. Um, and I think that's because it's about what the adult wants. They're not thinking about the relational aspect of being around kids. Sort of imposing the will, right? You're going to like me, little kid, because I'm a, I'm a likable guy, right? I'm a nice guy. Yeah. Um, One time we had a new person in church, and, you know, a lot of times. One time? Well, I'm, I'm talking about this particular time. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And, uh, you know, um, I was talking to this person and just, you know, asking them about themselves and somebody else came up and started talking and, and as they were walking to somebody else, as they were walking away about four times, I said, I hope we'll see you again. I hope we'll see you again. And to, and, and you know, to me, I was like, dude, this isn't about us. <laughs> it's a it's about them and it made it was cringeworthy um and i you know and that wasn't a child i mean that was but i think it's the same thing i mean i mean we talk about this all the time at church in in our leadership uh envelope that look our 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 goals can't be to the goal can't be to get people in here that there's got to be a bigger goal than that and i think uh, and I think that's just true with all relationships. It can't be about me having friends. It's got to be about us connecting on some level um, that's um, not even mutually beneficial. It's just, you know, organic. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. For no purpose other than being with another human being. Yeah. I mean, I just, I think that's interesting. Mm. Our, our story for our family, one of our churches, um, we started having people from the, our community coming, um, and this was predominantly an all-white church. I, I would say just about all-white church, and the people who were starting to come were more of Hispanic origin. And, you know, I would speak to them, of course, as pastor. My wife would speak to people. She'd go, you know, and sit down next to them, say hello, and just strike up a conversation before uh, worship gathering started or even afterwards. And, ever. and I kid you not, like just about nine out of ten times, Somebody from the church would go to her and say, oh, was that your cousin or your family members? You're related to them? So, and I even use it in sermon ones. I say, you know what? Um, we are not related to all Mexicans of the world. Uh, <laughs> somebody comes to the church. We're just going to say hello to them. We're just going to introduce ourselves and, and be friendly, okay? You know what, John? <laughs> yeah. That has never happened to me. That <laughs> <laughs> one time, Wade? nobody's ever asked me if other white people are my cousins <laughs> because we all know they are okay yes uh, but uh, uh, let's see so remember that people like you more than you think they will uh invest in activities that you love in other words do the things you're passionate about and you will naturally draw people to you and you'll naturally connect with other people because you'll be in the right place that's sort of that organic thing. Just kind of be who you are, right? Um, you know, don't don't fake it. And that's probably team what you're talking about. You know, with little kids, you know, trying to invade their space. Um, no, that's not the way it works. Um, what about this one? It's okay to treat friendship as seriously as you would dating. I'd never even kind of that just didn't even register to me. Um, of course, I haven't dated anyone in more than 25 years. 
but uh, still. <laughs> I have to tell you that I grew up around mostly boys. And then I went to a college that was almost all men, um, very few women. And I realized as an adult that I didn't know, that I didn't have very many female friends and that that probably needed to change. Like I needed to get better at developing friendships with women. And so I intentionally started connecting with women that I wanted to be friends with. And I remember one woman, I just kind of patiently reached out and would contact her occasionally. And it was years before we developed what I would call a friendship. It was an investment in time that was totally worth it. And I had to be quite intentional. There you go, right? And how, and how often do we uh, give that kind of intention for friendships? I don't know that I've, I, I'm trying to think back to, you know, kind of friendships that I have. I don't know that I've been like intentional other than, okay, you know, we're going to say we're going to go out or whatever. Okay, I'll be there, right? But nothing that I thought was, all right, here's here's how I'm going to invest in this friendship. And nothing that I, th that I think I did intentionally. Um, of course, I only have one friend, but, um, you know, with that one friend, <laughs> I have two, actually, but anyway. Um, so, Wade, what do you think? I hope I'm one of those two. <laughs> so the last thing they say is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but the last thing I say also is uh, the tip to getting over the awkwardness and how to make friends is to be present. Mm -hmm. Listen and notice. What Can I just say I don't find any of this awkward at all? Wh why do you think? Uh, I think a lot of people would find it awkward. Um, just I mean, them, I think they would because um, to me, there's this sort of give and take, you know, you're conversing with someone and learning who they are and, you know, what you can say and, you know, how you can joke around or whatever, you know, and, and I, I think that scares a lot of people and it feels like awkward to be the one to say, I'm just going to go out there and be the friend, you know, but you're such a good guy, Wade, man, friend, that no, nothing feels awkward to you. Well, I mean, you know, I just, I, I guess I, and, you know, I'm, I'm I'm thinking about this both sort of interpersonally in my like private life and also in my professional life. I just don't have a lot of expectations um, when I meet somebody other than, you know, let's just connect in this moment. And, you know, I, I probably don't treat it like dating per se um, in that I'm trying to never taking me out for dinner. That's for sure. Mm, no, I haven't. I owe you lunch because you took me to lunch one time. Did I? Yeah. I'm a better friend than you. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Most of my friends are better friends than I am. I, <laughs> I think, um, I, you know, I just, I, I like meeting people. Um, uh, I'm an introvert on all of those scales, but I think that's more about how I recharge my batteries than it is how I interact with people. Um, I like to intercharge. I like to recharge by being alone, but I, I just like meeting people and I, and I don't really care where I meet them. And if that becomes a friendship, it's great. And if we have a, you know, if we connect or don't connect in that moment, I don't, I don't know. It just, I don't know. 
and I think this is a lot of this has happened in the last 20 years. I, you know, just I've worked recently. on well, I just, yeah, really. I mean, really, yeah. <laughs> you know, just trying to, and part of it is, you know, I think being in the line of work that we're in and you just, you, you have to meet people in all kinds of weird situations and you just kind of have to at least look comfortable doing that. And, and I think, I'm comfortable now. I mean, I used to be very uncomfortable in hospitals. Um, and now, um, you know, I, I, I like going to the hospital, you know, so um, I don't find a lot of this awkward. If other, I, you, I guess you can kind of sense awkwardness with your, with, when you're with people sometimes, but I just sort of ignore it. The awkwardness comes for me and I, and I don't, you know, I don't lead with this information. It's not like how I introduce myself, but when people find out what I do, it's like, that's when it gets awkward. People are like, uh, what did I say beforehand? Did I use any words that you know, <laughs> I do? I don't care. You know, it's um, not a big deal. So anyway, all right. Any uh, final words, Tina, about being a good friend? I um, was, I continue to be grateful and overwhelmed by the number of people that have been supportive of me through this whole cancer thing. Um, I was shocked, I think, um, because I think of myself as not having very many friends, but I don't think that's accurate based on kind of what happened when I got sick. Amen. Amen. I'll just say this. I knew Tina Carter before I knew Tina Carter. Like, <laughs> I, like man, can I, I, I didn't get in with Tina Carter. Like everybody knows Tina Carter. She's one of them cats. Right. So anyway, <laughs> all right. So here's what we, uh, we wanted to spend the rest of our time talking about something I think is important. Um, if, if you're listening and you haven't heard of MTD or moralistic therapeutic deism, that's what we want to spend some, some minutes talking over. Uh, and I sent everyone <clears throat> some um, commentary article that I read last week came across. And uh, I first learned about MTD. Um, gosh, do you, did you ever read the book Almost Christian? Uh-huh. Uh, I forget what year that book came out, but I think I was still in Shiner. So that had been, you know, probably eight, nine years ago. But anyway, that's a book about, um, you know, the faith of young people. And essentially that the faith that by and large the church has given young people is this moralistic therapeutic deism. All right. Now, actually, before and you both said you're familiar with it. So can you tell the people what that what that is? What is moralistic therapeutic deism? It's kind of the concept that God created the world and then a little bit stepped away. And so our job is to live a really good life and to heal the wounds that are inherent in ourselves. But it's a self-agency kind of motivated viewpoint. Add anything to that, Wade man? Yeah, I just think, you know, my understanding, particularly of the gospel, um, is um, that it's not, and I say this all the time, it's not about us, you know. Um, it's about, you know, and one of the things I, get, I got some 
it's been a while, but at one of my churches, um, I used to say a lot. I mean, it was kind of my catchphrase for a long time. You know, um, the most important people in the church are the ones who aren't here yet. Mm. Um, not that, that nobody else is important, but our primary purpose is, is, is being prepared and reaching to the people who aren't here yet. Um, not because they need to be here in this place, but because um, we feel like um, they'll be better off having a relationship with Jesus and having a relationship with people who um, really want to follow Jesus's lifestyle and direction. And I think that is never self-serving. So, yeah. I, I, I was at a <clears throat> church uh, meeting once, and this was to, to give uh, high school seniors scholarships. And part of what they did was take some, they were going to give all the kids a scholarship, right? But they right. had everybody come in and have an interview time, right? And so, they, you know, and none of the questions were structured, really. It was, you know, kind of popcorn questions, you know, what do you think about blah, blah, blah. And somebody asked the question, <clears throat> you know, who is God to you? And the response was, uh, I hope I never forget this. A uh, young man said, God is Santa Claus with rules. And, you know, everybody kind of laughed and chuckled. And I remember thinking, <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> this is so wrong, right? Um, because Santa Claus, what does Santa Claus do? He does two things. He brings you nice things, but he brings you nice things if you've been good. Conditional. Right. It is very conditional. Uh, and it's only once a year, too, which, you know, come on, Santa. What else are you doing up there? But to me, as I learned later on, moralistic therapeutic deism, that's that's moralistic therapeutic deism. It's Santa Claus is is uh, is watching over you and he wants you to be good. He wants you to be good little boys and good little girls. He wants you to be good little people. Uh, and if you're not, well, shame on you. And if you are good, then, you know, just call me up and I'll bless you. I'll bring you something. I'll get you something nice. Uh, to me, that's what, essentially what moralistic therapeutic deism. And in this little article <clears throat> that we're using as a springboard, it calls that fake Christianity. Do you think that's a fair assessment? Well, I think I think fake anything in our culture today doesn't really carry a lot of weight. Um, and so, is it fake Christianity? It's not the brand of Christianity that um, that I want to practice, but there are a lot of Christians who practice this, and so by its very existence, I, you know, I guess somebody calls it Christianity. It's not my bag, but um, whenever I see anything that says this is fake news or this is fake that or this is, you know, that's somebody's perception. Uh, I don't think it honors the gospel call of Jesus. Okay. Let me say it that way. I like that. Very good, Wade. And I also don't think it's the only way that Christians practice what they see as Christianity in a way that is not consistent with the gospel. I think there are other ways that Christians also miss the mark. Sure. Like what? Living the gospel. I've been, I've been listening to the Capitol Police 
testimony and their assessment and the way they phrase it was that the insurrectionists, many of them self-identified as Christians. And I appreciated the way they said it because it was clear they were saying that this is not their view of how Christians behave, you know, like um, hurling racial slurs at an officer and threatening to kill them probably isn't consistent with the gospel. Um, but I'm not sure that's exactly MTD. I think that might be something else, but it's also not genuine uh, in terms of living out the gospel. Yeah, I think it is something separate, um, but it could certainly be a sort of an offshoot because you know that kind of that kind of uh, sense of Christianity is well. Here's my will, and obviously I've got God on my side. Right. I know some Bible verses. Right. I have, I have, and because I have God on my side, whatever I do or is, say, right. is okay. Right. Right. And so, yeah, that could, I think that could certainly be, you know, that can, that could be a consequence of moralistic therapeutic deism because God's involved, right. Cause we're, we're saying God and we're writing God and, you know, um, we have God on our money and we have God on our everything else. So obviously God's important. At least having the name there is important, right? And that's the deism part of it. The therapeutic part is, you know, yeah, God will just, God will take care of you, right? Um, God will essentially give you what you want uh, when you need it, because um, that's what you do. You run to God when you need something. And instead of, you know, finding the the ways that the kingdom of God uh, want to flourish in the brokenness of the of the world, uh, we instead turn to a more moralistic uh, viewpoint of, of the faith. And that doesn't mean having morals is bad. I think that's the, for me, in my experience, talking about this with people, that's the part they get confused. Wait a minute. So I can like do and say whatever I want. That's not the point, right? But the point is that it's much more than just saying the right things or not saying certain things or, you know, those kind, you know, that kind of. Uh, I, uh, that's, the, that's why, um, that right there is why I really appreciate the fact that I grew up Methodist, even though I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what that meant until about halfway through seminary um, and, uh, and the general rules, you know, um, is what I'm doing harmful to somebody um, is what I'm doing good. And, and, and am I, Am I attending to what God is trying to say to the world, um, which isn't a one-time conversation, and I don't even think we ever get terribly good at it until we've been doing it for a long time. And, and part of that is, big part of that isn't me hearing from God, it's me hearing from other people who are hearing from God. And uh, so... What's really, you know, a lot of change has happened in my universe um, from the beginning of seminary to now and my uh, experience of things has, you know, changed, you know, when we, when we talk to ordinands about um, the, you know, the difference between the questions we ask um, people that are going in for provisional commissioning 
and ordinances in light of your practice of ministry, what do you think about these concepts? And, uh, and, and the thing that has, you know, when I was at Perkins, we had to write a credo, which was our 30 page understanding of the Christian faith. And, and mine was a mess. Um, and I go back and read it and I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Um, and, and what I, and I, I think now I could probably put that on one page, not 30. Uh, and that somehow looks like do no harm, do good, uh, tend to the ordinances of God. That means worship, piety, those kinds of things. And, you know, love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, loving my neighbors, myself. 99% of the dilemmas that I'm going to run across are covered there, in my view. Um, and that we do those things in community. Exactly. That when we remove ourselves from community and decide that we don't need God to worship, which is absolutely, we don't need community to worship, which is absolutely true. It's just not the whole truth. Um, we do need community to help us remember who we are and whose we are, I think. Yeah. Well, and if I'm, decide, I'm the one who's deciding what God is saying all the time without any contribution from anybody else, you know, I, I can't possibly, I don't know about everybody else, but I would get that wrong. Well, and that's where the community comes in, right? Um, yeah. and, even, and even when, you know, I, I try to say it in some way, different ways all the time, you know, even if you're there with the community worshiping, I mean, you can still not be worshiping with the community, right? And so, and that's a part of this as well, where, you know, uh, the worship hour of the church is still something for me, right? And you hear this all the time. Well, what did I get out of the sermon and how did the service make me feel? Well, that's moralistic therapeutic deism. It's like, what is God doing to, to make me feel good about myself, to, to make me feel like everything's going to be okay? Does that mean that God doesn't want to speak peace to our lives? All that kind of, of course not. But it's like you said, you know, that's only half the truth, right? Uh, what is God speaking to us um, as a congregation and how do we uh, listen for the voice of God and do all that uh, God wants us to do? And, you know, those times where I show up and worship and I don't feel like worshiping or I don't know how to pray or I don't know why I'm here. Um, you know, John Gibbs taught me, um, you know, we're here. If, if, you're, if that's your state of mind, the rest of us are here to worship for you. Um, and you just need to, you know, to be there and, and, you know, and you don't need to do anything. Um, we're here for you as well. And, uh, and, to, and that's just, you know, look, you know, when I, when I started in ministry, I never made a big decision as a new pastor without checking it out with, um, well, I, Tina was some, one of the people I would call um, and, and checking it out with other people who'd been doing it a while. Well, guess what? I still don't make a big move without checking it out with other people who've you know, walked a similar path. Um, in my, you know, in my case, most of the time that's as a pastor. Um, but I don't make I don't make personal moves either without checking it out with somebody because I can get it wrong all by myself and. Uh, and I need to check, you know, I just need to check myself and, 
And I check myself with people who are also checking themselves and who are devoted to God and who are part of my, whether they're my worshiping community or my collegial community. Uh, they're, they're as important in my decision-making uh, as anything that's going on in my head. And that goes back to, I forget which of you talked about, you know, this is a very um, uh, individualistic approach to faith. Yeah. A very self-centered approach to faith, which in one sense, you know, uh, Jesus changed my heart. Fine. That's great. Yes. That's a good prayer. But so much of scripture is about us as the body of Christ, as a church, living out our calling as, <clears throat> as the people of God. And that's where it's, a big part of where uh, moralistic therapeutic deism just ignore it ignores that right where where my faith is all about me and Jesus and nothing else well if I think my faith is all about me and Jesus then I don't really have to have a big concern about any of the systemic stuff that we we talk about and hear about I don't have to be too concerned with you know uh, the, the the issue that there are people sleeping you know under the bridge or at the the foot of the uh, the church door, things like that, because, well, I'm, I'm working with Jesus right here and he's working on me. And that removes us from that sense of calling that God gives the church to be, you know, to, to be Christ embodied to the world. And, uh, and it falls short of being, um, I, <laughs> I struggle with the term biblical Christianity, because I think that's a term that can, that's already been hijacked as well. But uh, in a way that that takes careful consideration for the whole of scripture and what it teaches us as the body of Christ. And in, in Ephesians, it says, for I've been saved by grace through faith. And this is not my own doing uh, so that no one may boast. And most people I know stop at that verse, but the next verse says, for you are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which were prepared beforehand to be your way of life. And when we uncouple those two and we make it about us being saved, which it absolutely is about, we lose the whole picture that God does not come to save us so that we can be isolated and safe but rather so we can be agents in the world of transformation for the good of the kingdom. Yeah. yeah. Our church, we are studying Ephesians uh, for the month of August. And uh, for, so last Sunday, yesterday, we read Ephesians 1, and that was a sermon this Sunday. We're going to read Ephesians 2, and that's really what we're basing our, our um, <clears throat> excuse me, excuse me, our sermon series off of that verse you just read that, you know, what we're created to do. And uh, since we are God's masterpiece and that means something that we, I don't just mean like me and, and, and you over there and you over there, but we, in the sense that God has united us, we have been created for this purpose. And that means something. And uh, to the point of all this conversation that stands apart from this idea of moralistic therapeutic deism. Mm -hmm. that when we have meetings at, at church um, about whatever we're having a meeting about um, somebody might say something. And, and my response is usually one of two things. Why are we, why do we want to do that? 
Um, or the other way to ask that question is we're going to do that. So that what, and that Ephesians, um, that, that's that second verse is yes, this, so that, that, and, and if we can't come up with a, a really, um, good, so that, um, we might need to rethink what it is we're suggesting. I mean, if it's, we're going to do this so that people will quit skateboarding at the church. Um, I don't think that's a gospel. So that, you know, <laughs> so, um, you know, that sounds oddly uh, specific Wade. Well, I, I, I don't think I've ever been at a church where somebody didn't have a problem with skateboards. Um, <laughs> so it's not, anything, it's not anything that's going on now. It's just the first thing that popped in my head. Okay. okay. Um, I'm sorry. You're, I would never, if I had a recent issue, I would never bring it up to here. Oh, okay. <laughs> so single right. everybody you are smarter than you look, Wade. <laughs> so. We had no idea at one of my churches that <laughs> our property was exactly configured correctly to do a couple of pretty popular skateboard tricks. There you go. So there were several YouTube videos of people accomplishing these things on our property. And so we decided to have a group that would watch for when these kids came on property and we would come out and we would greet them and we would show them the video and say, this is pretty amazing. And then we would say, now we're going to ask you a couple of things. One, would you please have somebody at the entrance to the driveway from your group to make sure that you can yell at your colleagues if a car comes, because sometimes they come in really fast. And we want you to be safe. And two, if you come here, would you please use helmets? And if you don't have one, we will get you one. And, and so it became a different kind of conversation, but man, it was much more difficult. Yeah, yeah. And three, when you post a video, tag our church. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's much more easier to put up a sign and think you're done with it, right? Uh, stay off. But anyway, uh, so yeah, um, I, I'm sure you all have seen it. I've seen it. Uh, and I've tried my very best to, you know, to make sure that that's not the faith I am either, you know, um, proclaiming or perpetrating, right? This sense of um, that God is on my side and um, that God's here to serve me and that I just need to, you know, clean up my mouth and my attitude and that's okay. And that's all that's asked of me, that there is something much more deeper about who we are as the body of Christ that falls in line with the cosmic plan of redemption of God, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, if, if you, I don't know what to I mean, there's some of them are so silly. Some of these rules we come up with about what you can say or what you shouldn't do. Um, some of these things have no bearing on the cosmic redemption plan of God. And so that, yet yeah, we take them so seriously. That's the point, right? And that's what moralistic therapeutic deism is. It's taking those things seriously because they matter to you instead of uh, understanding the calling that we have as God's church. So, 
All right. Any uh, final uh, observations or thoughts about uh, the rest of that conversation, Tina or Wade Mann? They don't know why you're calling me Wade Mann. That's right. Because I don't think your name comes up on the video. Wade has identified himself as Wade Mann. uh, I think the new shirt has gone to his head. Um, You know, I think when I first um, when I first sort of claimed to be a Christian, it was a pretty incredible experience. And, um, and for a long time, I thought I was special because of that. And, uh, at some point I sort of acknowledged that, um, I'm not special. God is special. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and that's really the mess. The message that I carry isn't my witness to my specialness. Um, my witness is, is, is to God's specialness and that's about other people. And that's about no harm, good, knowing God, loving neighbor, you know, all that stuff. Um, and my credo's like two paragraphs now. I'm just got, glad I got mine done in time, man. Cause I was worried. A little bit started. <laughs> Tina, any uh, final comments? I am grateful that major denominations are having discussions about um, things like Christian nationalism and are calling it out for um, what it is and what it is not. Um, And I hope that we as Christians who are committed to the gospel continue to call out who we are and what we do, um, because it isn't always what people want, and that probably is okay. Well, and you know, again, that's a you know, we're talking about MTD. MTD is about getting what you want mm-hmm. from God, right? Yeah. And yeah, if, if we're gonna preach something, teach something that goes against what you want, that's gonna going to hurt our feelings, right? And, and uh, w- what do we do with that? And as a church, we need to be ready to, to respond in a Christ-like way, right? Because that's who we are, right? That's who we're, I that is God. who we're called to be. I had a guy, my first church, um, and he was one of those guys that would, like, he was, like, super humble, and he would do anything um, for the church, for the community. He was just, he had a big, huge heart. And, uh, and we were um, really trying to move that church into more of a, uh, uh, a kind of a headspace of, you know, we're here for um, other things than ourselves. And, and we had some very specific things we were talking about. He came up to me after one sermon one day and he, he goes, he was really serious. He's like, Wade, do you know what you're asking us to do is difficult? <laughs> And, and it, he wasn't messing around. He was like, this is really hard. And I'm like, and I'm sitting here going, if there's anybody in the room that this seems to not be hard for, it's this guy. Mm. And, uh, and I, you know, and I always hold on to that because what, what Jesus is asking of us in the gospel, um, it, it, I mean, we always talk about him being countercultural. He's still countercultural because uh, culture, I think, is always going to default to, um, you know, making ourselves feel better, making ourselves feel more comfortable and, 
Um, that doesn't mean you can't feel good or that you can't be comfortable. It means that you got to, there's a bigger reason to do what you're doing than that. And, and it's not easy. And frankly, I don't know that we, through history, that we've taught it all that well. Um, and so we, we got to give people some time to, to kind of get their brain around that if we've taught them something differently. That, that's a great point. And, you know, I've, I've tried to, you know, confess on behalf of all preachers, you know, because I've heard some sermons and I, in back of my mind, I'm thinking you're worried about people giving money to the church and you don't want to say what needs to be said because you're worried about that. And so consequently, and whether it's money or, you know, we don't have friends, right? It's, it's awkward to make friends. And so we have these people right before us in our churches that, like, that are already made friends and we don't want to say anything to upset them or make us make them think that we're anything less than their friends. And so whatever the reasons may be, we sort of, we water down, right? What needs to be said. And um, that doesn't do anything good for um, the, the, the movement of the gospel. So yeah, thank you for saying that way. You know, we, as clergy people, you know, it's easy for me to get up here and say, you know, this moralistic therapeutic deism, it's, it is fake and it's, it's detrimental, blah, blah, blah. But let's realize that I'm in the line of people who uh, are teaching this stuff. Right. And so uh, uh, I need to be mindful of that and mindful that I'm not, again, perpetuating any of this stuff as well. Um, so thank you for that. All right. And thank you all for listening. We're hoping that wasn't too awkward, but you know how Wade is, but you know, we love him. He's an awkward friend. Um, <laughs> thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Tina, thank you for uh, filling in. It's good to see. You. It's always good to have you. You know, you're welcome anytime that you, uh, you have a chance to be with us. You always have an open place here at the Zoom room. So we're thank glad you. you. And thanks for everybody for listening in. Hope it's been helpful. If there's ever anything else that uh, you want us to talk about to try to find a Christ-like response to, let us know. Uh, if you happen to win the raffle for El Chapo's house, tell us and we'll meet you for the party as long as everything's okay and you find all the underground tunnels. Amen? Because we don't want to be <laughs> dealing with that. So until next week, have a good rest of the week and God be with you. Wade, Tina, thank you so much for the gift of your time. Amen.